What's that noise? Can you guys hear that? I'll go see what's happening. Hello guys, welcome to our special Friday the 13th episode of the Ginger Beardman cast. My name is Thomas, also from the Brocast on Twitter, at the Brocast, Apple iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information about the Ginger Beardman cast, you can download all previous episodes on Apple iTunes and SoundCloud. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at the Ginger Beardman cast. As I said, this special episode is focusing on Friday the 13th, one of my favourite horror movie series I've been watching since I was a little kid. What I wanted to do, guys, is actually break down each film. As we know, there's been over, I think, 11 films in the series and a TV show. But what I want to do today is just focus on the original trilogy and then actually start talking about 4, 5 and 6. So the first one I want to talk about is Friday the 13th from 1980. For those of you who haven't seen this movie, this is one of the original horror slasher films, really focusing on the teenage slasher film genre. So before you had Halloween, actually, no, wait. Strike that, Halloween actually came out in 1978. This was actually two years later. But this is probably considered one of the most popular slasher films of the early 1980s. Now, the very first film was directed by a man of the name of Sean C. Cunningham and written by Victor Miller. Now, Sean actually did a lot of the Friday the 13th films, and it's a fantastic one that he did the very first film here. So, to really talk about what the first film was about... The film tells the story of a group of teenagers who are murdered one by one by an unknown killer while attempting to reopen an old abandoned campground. Now this had a who's who of very famous actors including Betsy Palmer and lots of young people that actually started off their filming careers in this film and then went on to do many different films after the actual Friday the 13th film. What I want to do is let's break down the entire story. So Friday the 13th 1 as I said coming out in 1980. In the summer of 1958, at Camp Crystal Lake, two camp counselors named Barry and Claudette sneak away from a campfire into a storage barn. Wink, wink. Before they're able to have sex, an unknown assailant enters the barn and murders them both. Really, really cool. It's actually done by the eyes of the killer, so go back and actually check that out. Twenty years later, newly hired counsellor Annie Phillips enters a small diner and asks for directions to the recently reopened Camp Crystal Lake. A friendly truck driver named Enos agrees to drive Annie halfway, while an elderly man named Crazy Ralph warns Annie about going, believing that the camp may have a death curse. During the drive, Enos tells Annie about a young boy that drowned at Camp Crystal Lake back in 1957 and about the two murders the following year in 1958. After Enos drops her off, Annie hitches another ride from an unseen second driver who later chases her into the woods and slashes her throat. Ouch. And that's one thing, like, I want to talk really quickly. There's so many throat slashings back in the old Friday the 13th movies, too. Like, you get movies now like Hatchet, which features, like, full-on decapitations and people getting cut in half. Like, there's a lot of throat cutting in the old Friday the 13th. So, at the camp, counsellors Ned, Jack, Bill, Marcy, Brenda and Alice, along with the other Steve, Christy, furbish the canyon, furbish the cabins and the facilities. As a thunderstorm approaches, Steve leaves the campground to gather supplies. Soon, the murderer arrives and begins to kill the camp counsellors. Ned is murdered off-screen. Jack gets stabbed with an arrow from underneath the bed. Kevin Bacon, that was an arrow through the neck. 
Uh, Marcy gets an axe slammed into her forehead, that's shortly after a shower, and Brenda is murdered also off screen in the Arrow Range. When Steve returns, he appears to recognise the unseen killer before he is stabbed in the stomach. And there's a little bit of a teaser there that the actual counsellors did actually know who the killer was, but you don't find out to the very, very end. As Alice and Bill are the only ones left, they leave to investigate after discovering a bloody axe in Brenda's bed. The phones have also been disconnected and the cars are now no longer drivable. When the power goes out, Bill goes to check on the generator and is killed off screen. When Alice looks around for Bill, she finds his body pinned with arrows on the shed door and she flees back to the main cabin. Seeing a vehicle pulling up, she rushes outside and is greeted by a middle-aged woman named Pamela Voorhees, who she says is an old friend of Steve's. As Alice brings her inside, Pamela reveals that her son Jason was the boy that drowned back in 1957, and she blames his death on a pair of counsellors who are off having sex instead of watching him. Revealing herself as the killer, she turns violent and rushes towards Alice with a bowie knife. A chase then ensures in which Pamela attempts to kill Alice. Following a confrontation in which Pamela is knocked out, Alice escapes to the shore, but Pamela finds her and attempts to kill her again. In one of my favourite horror movie scenes of all time, here it is. During the struggle, Alice manages to catapultate her with a machete and she falls asleep inside a canoe floating out to Crystal Lake. One thing I love about the decapitation is the head rolls away in slow motion, I think as her hands are actually going up to grab where her head would be. And it just looks fantastic when they would have done the actual design uh, and the makeup back in that era. Just as Alice awakens and sees police arriving, Jason's decomposing body suddenly emerges and drags her underwater. Suddenly, she awakens in hospital where a police officer and medical staff tend to her. When she asks about Jason, the officer says that there was no sign of any boy in which Alice says, then he's still out there. Fantastic movie, guys. I remember watching that film, I think probably maybe 92, 93, uh, you know, almost 10 years after the first one. I remember just seeing it at the video shop when I was a young kid, seeing the hockey mask, and I thought, this looks really cool. When I went to go back and watch the original one, I realised there was no hockey mask featured at all on the poster for number one and number two. So I think I actually might have seen the third one before I saw the first and second, but I've always really loved the first one as it sets up the entire history. Also thinking too, I think coming out of left field was the fact that Pamela Voorhees, played by Betsy Palmer, was actually the killer. But you, were, you really wouldn't think you would have had a middle-aged old woman that would have been the killer throughout the entire movie, smacking people with axes, arrows, shooting with arrows, etc. So fantastic movie. As I said, you know, dating back to 1978, you also had some other fantastic movies like Halloween, The Last House on the Left, which was another creepy-ass movie that I watched um, in the 90s that scared the living shit out of me, but again, a really classic, which also featured many, many remakes. But again, 1980, Friday the 13th, number one, a fantastic movie. Now what I want to do is talk about the next one in the series. So for those of you who haven't seen the other movies in the Friday the 13th films, I'm now going to be talking about Friday the 13th part number two. Now this is probably, again, one of the ones that continued on literally straight after the first one. 
So this one was made in 1981, so only a year after the first one, really due to the success of how popular the very first film was. It would have made lots of money for the directors, the writers, and the actors um, all together. So a bit of a rundown. This is a direct sequel to Friday the 13th, picking up five years after the film's conclusion, where a new murderer stalks and begins murdering the camp counsellors at a nearby training camp in Crystal Lake. Really cool here. This actually marks the debut of Jason Voorhees as he is revealed as the original killer. This is actually a young Jason Voorhees before he became a brooding zombie type monster with a hockey mask. Uh, fantastic movie. So let's run down the entire story. So tw two months after the Camp Crystal Lake massacre, sole survivor Alice Hardy is recovering from a traumatic experience in her traumatic experience. In her apartment, she finds the decapitated head of Pamela Voorhees in her fridge. That's fucking weird. And is murdered by an unseen adult, Jason Voorhees, with an ice pick to her temple. Ouch. Five years later, Camp Crystal Lake Paul Holt hosts a counselor training ca camp at a building near Crystal Lake, attended by lovers Jeff and Sandra, wink wink, troublemaker Scott, tomboy Terry, wheelchair-bound Mark, and sweet-natured Vicky, jokester Ted, and Paul's assailant Ginny, as well as numerous unnamed counselor trainees. At the campfire that night, Paul tells them the legend of Jason to scare the other counselors from entering Camp Crystal Lake. As he and Ted orchestrate a prank to scare the camp counselors by having Ted appear with a mask and a spear, he reinsures the counselors that Jason is indeed dead and that Camp Crystal Lake is officially off limits. That night, the elderly crazy Ralph from the very first film wanders onto the property to warn the group, but is actually garrated by Jason. Another fucking awesome death. The next day, Jeff and Sandra attempt to go to Camp Crystal Lake upon finding a killed dog before getting caught by the sheriff and returned to the camp. Later, the sheriff spots Jason, revealed to be wearing a burlap sack to conceal his identity and chases him into the woods. When he finds a rundown shack that he enters, he discovers something horrifying, horrifying inside before getting killed by Jason with a hammer. Back at the camp, Paul offers the others one night on the town before the training begins. But out of, out of the name counsellors, only Ginny and Ted accept his offer. Jeff and Sandra are forced to stay behind as punishment for sneaking off to the campsite. At the bar, Ginny muses if, if Jason is still alive and witnessed his mother's death, if it may have left him with no distinction between life or death or right and wrong. Paul dismisses this idea proclaiming that Jason is nothing but an urban legend. Or is he? At the camp, Jason begins to murder the remaining camp counsellors, Scott getting his throat cut with a machete while getting caught in a rope trap and also kills Terry off-screen. Mark gets the machete slammed into his face and falls down a flight of stairs. He impales Jeff and Senna with a spear while having sex and stabs Vicky with a kitchen knife. Later, Ginny and Paul return to find the place in disarray. In the dark, Jason ambushes Paul and then he chases Ginny throughout the camp and into the woods where she comes across his shack. After barricading herself inside, she finds an altar with Pamela Voorhees' head on it, surrounded by a pile of Jason's victims with his mother's machete placed on top of the altar. Ginny puts on Pamela's sweater and tries to psychologically convince Jason that she is indeed his mother. The ruse fails when he spots his mother's head on the altar and he attacks Ginny. Paul appears and attacks Jason but is quickly overwhelmed. 
Just as Jason is about to, to kill Paul with a pickaxe, Ginny picks up the machete and slams it into his shoulder, seemingly killing Jason. Paul and Ginny return to the cabin and are greeted to the door by Terry's dog, Muffin. Suddenly, an unmarked Jason suddenly bursts through the window from behind and grabs Ginny. She then awakens uh, to her being loaded into an ambulance and calls out for Paul, who is nowhere to be seen. Back at the shack, Jason is also nowhere to be seen as Pamela Voorhees' head remains at the altar. Really good film. I actually really like the second one. It is quite different to the first, really focusing on a young Jason making his debut. The death scenes were pretty cool. Uh, again, with the throat slashing, very, very popular at this time of era. Some other great actors who made their debuts, who then went on to actually do many other films. It's funny that a lot of the teen actors that started in these series did transition into future horror movies or transition to completely different genres altogether than your standard normal horror movie. Now I want to talk about one of my very favourite films, and this is going to be Friday the 13th number 3, or part 3 as it's known, and this is the one that has the official debut of The Hockey Mask and was actually released back in 3D when it came out in 1982. This is back when 3D was the old almost paper-sized glasses with an orange and blue lens on each side. Again, I love this movie. This is probably the first one I watched from the original trilogy. So let's break down what this one was about. As I said, took place in 1982, so not long actually after the first one actually took place. Following the events of the previous film, a seriously injured Jason Voorhees goes to a lakefront store to find clothes. While there, he kills the owner named Harold with a meat cleaver and his wife named Edna with a snowing needle. Ouch. Sometime later, Chris Higgins and his friends travel to her old house on Crystal Lake, the Higgins Haven, to spend the weekend. The gang includes pregnant woman named Debbie, her boyfriend named Andy, prankster named Shelley, his blind date named Vera, who, does, uh, who doesn't actually like him, two standers named Chuck and Chili, and Chris's boyfriend named Rick. Sally and Vera get into a confrontation with three bikers named Ali, Loco and Fox at a convenience store. Lovely scene there, guys, where the bike gets wrecked. Ali smashes Rick's car windshield. In retaliation, he runs over their motorcycles, impressing Vera. Meanwhile, Jason has hidden is hidden in a nearby barn to recover from his injuries. And when the bikers show up to burn down the barn to get even, he murders Loco, Fox and seemingly Ali, I think it was with a pitchfork, I think, in that death scene. As night falls, Jason slashes Shelly's throat and dons a hockey mask to conceal his face. And there it is, guys, in that one scene, the iconic mask of Jason Voorhees was born. He then shoots a spear gun at Vera, right in the eyeball, may I add, slams down a machete at Andy and stabs Debbie from underneath a hammock, killing them all. When the power goes out in the house, Chili sends Chuck down to the basement where Jason hurls him into a fuse box, electrocuting him to death and severing the power. He then murders Chili on the main floor with a fire poker. While they're out, Chris tells Rick about how she was attacked by a disfigured man two years earlier, causing her to leave Crystal Lake in order to escape the trauma. Rick's car dies and they're forced to walk back to the haven, which they, which they find is in complete disarray. Rick steps outside to search the grounds, but Jason grabs him and crushes his skull with his bare hands, with his eye actually poking out in an awesome 3D sequence. When she discovers bloody clothes in the overflowing bathtub upstairs and finds Loco's body, Chris hides inside the house before Jason throws Ricky's corpse through the window. 
Chris narrowly escapes the house and tries to escape in her van, which breaks down due to the gas being cut by the bikers earlier. Or siphoned out, actually, by the bikers. She makes her way to the barn to hide, but is attacked again by Jason, who she hangs. Jason unmasks himself temporarily to free himself, and Chris recognises him as the man who attacked her two years ago. A revived Allie tries to attack Jason, but is quickly dispatched. The distraction allows Chris to take an axe and strike Jason in the head with it, who staggers momentarily towards her before collapsing. Exhausted, Chris pushes a canoe out into the lake and everyone falls asleep. Waking up the next morning inside the canoe, she panics while when she hallucinates Jason running towards her from the exiting house. That's, that's one of my favourite scenes because he has this real creepo face, looks through the window and then bolts out to the ocean. Fantastic scene but is soon taken off guard when the decomposing body of Pamela Voorhees, with her head reattached, emerges from the lake and pulls her in, which turns out to all be a dream. The police later arrive and escort the disturbed Chris from Higgins Haven. Jason's body is still shown to be lying in the barn as the lake is shown at peace once again. Fantastic movie. I really enjoyed uh, number three. As I said, it was main probably the first one I did watch out of the original trilogy. Um, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ginger Beard Man cast. As I said, we only wanted to recap number one, number two, and number three. In our next episode, I'll real, real do a bit of a recap of four, five, and six, which featured one of my second favourite movies, that being Jason Lives, which is Friday the 13th Part 6. So guys, you can check us out on Twitter at the Ginger Beard Man cast, also on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Apple iTunes, and SoundCloud at the Ginger Beard Man cast. Until the next episode... What's that noise? Hey guys, I'll go out and investigate.